0: Well, it's uh, great to be here today with you guys and uh, see all your lovely faces. My my wife is not very well. She has a, a bit of a tummy thing, so she's not here. But my other conscience, who corrects me if I make a mistake, is looking, uh, well, have you done something to your hair every night? It's looking uh, very, she's looking rather youthful and vigorous, and I'm, uh, I'm a little bit intimidated, to be honest, in case she uh, finds... Uh, But I tread wrongly (laughs) in my words, and uh, I want to speak today really about the release of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be back in uh, the Old Testament passages uh, to do with Elijah and Elisha, uh, one of the particular stories there, which I'll read in a minute. Um, But last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, but. We celebrate the actual event of the Pentecost 50 days after Easter. But, you know, for us, every day is Pentecost. We live by the Holy Spirit, don't we? We live by the Spirit of God. As Christians, there is no other way to actually be a Christian. You know, uh, Christianity is not about figuring out rules and lifestyle and laws and things from the Bible, Though there is some laws and rules in there. But it's not really primarily about that, because human beings never actually were very good at that. (laughs) In fact, most human beings are like we were as children or teenagers. If you lay down some rules on them, that's the very thing they then want to do. I actually, believe it or not, I actually started smoking when I was 18, and the reason I started smoking was because we were going on a biology field trip, and one of the rules was, no smoking allowed on the field trip. (laughs) I thought, I am going to start smoking on the field trip. A rebel. A rebel. Yeah. You know, smoking wasn't such a bad thing in those days, even, you know, as it is now. You know, we were actually allowed to smoke at school. We had a smoking area just outside the school, yeah. We had a note from your parents you could smoke. And if you faked a note, you could also smoke outside. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it was back in the 70s. 80s, yeah. Now you can't even look at a school and smoke, even if you're 95 years old, you know, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) okay, uh, this isn't about smoking today, though, I'm just saying, i just say, you know, rules just don't really work, and God knew that from the beginning, but the rules do tell us what the, what reality is, they do define reality, you know, it is a fact that smoking does actually not very healthy for you, and it's, you know, a bad thing. And it's good to know that, uh, I guess, uh, but it doesn't ha- actually help anybody stop smoking. <laughs> but, uh, right, well, the story I want to look at is about the release of the spirit, and, and it's, a, it's a picture, I suppose, really, and how many? We've got kids in here, so I, I will try to be more sensible. And I even have some visual stuff, so we're going to have to uh, not go in all the ranges of things that I might be inclined to normally go into. Which will be greatly relieved, adults as well, probably. Uh, 2 Kings chapter four. And we're talking. This is a miracle that Elisha, the prophet, was involved with. Now, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few, then go in and shut the door upon yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels, and when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door upon herself and her sons, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There isn't any more. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your son shall live on the rest. Lord, just open our eyes uh, and our hearts to receive what you have for us from this passage in Jesus' name. Now, we've been looking at this. This is a story that comes just early on in Elisha's ministry. Remember, we've been looking, for those of you that have been here, and obviously there's quite a few that haven't been here. We've been looking at this event where the old prophet, Elijah, and these are easy to mix up, and preachers are always mixing them up because they're so uh, <laughs> close. There was this prophet called Elijah, and when he became old, he had this um, sort of young apprentice, Elisha, and there was an, a miraculous handing over of his anointing or his mantle, and this is where this, this, in this concept of the mantle you know, and this is used in the business world, isn't it? You know, the sort of the mantle of, you know, where has the mantle of, uh, what's that guy, the Apple guy, Steve Jobs, you know, where, where's the mantle of him landed? You know, we need this genius inventor guy and, you know, we're kind of everybody's looking around and uh, doesn't look like it's landed anywhere to me, <laughs> but anyway, whatever. But even in the business world, we have this concept and the origins of this concept are here in Two Kings where the mantle of Elijah, which was literally his coat, but it was a sign of his authority, and he d- used to take it off and hit the water of the Jordan, and the Jordan would open up, and and, and so it was a sign of his uh, power and his authority, his anointing in the Holy Spirit from God. And Elisha, when Elijah got took up into heaven, and you don't need clothes in heaven, I guess, well, he might have had his underwear on, I don't know, maybe he had his underwear on still, <laughs> anyway, his coat fell. It's a bit like the Jedi, you know, when they died, they just they're the coat land there. This is probably where this idea comes from, too, from here. (laughs) It all comes from this story. (laughs) All right. So he's gone, taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha, his apprentice, picks up the mantle and goes over and just to see, now, where is this anointing and power? And he strikes the water, and the water parts, and so on. And then he's living uh, in uh, the region where Elijah had ministered, and he's now the kind of chief prophet. And around them, there's these sons of the prophets. So they lived in a kind of some kind of commune situation. I don't know what it was like. But they had a, you know, a few shacks and huts and whatever they lived in. And he was the senior guy. And all the other guys were kind of around, wannabes, you know. And when the real going got tough, most of these guys weren't really up to much. Because remember when they were l- crossing the Jordan and this and that, they were standing from afar just looking and kind of wondering what was going to happen. They were the sort of conference-goer types, really, but keen conference-goers, so they were there <laughs> with the guys, but <laughs> they didn't really do that much themselves. So uh, some of them may have turned out to be all right, but most of the prophets had already been killed. In Elijah's day, which was only a few years before, the prophets had been killed by Jezebel. Remember, she just hunted them down and killed all the sons of the prophets. So. And Elijah was complaining, oh, nobody's even left, but God said, oh, actually, there is a few still hiding (laughs) away somewhere. Now, some of these are with Elisha then. A few years later, uh, gathered again a group of young prophets around him. And uh, it's a very, very troubled time in Israel. You know, some of the great miracles don't happen when things are going good. Mm. Do you know that? Mm. Sometimes bad times are quite good for us Christians. Hard times. Mm. You think about it in your own life. You've probably grow stronger when you've gone through hard times than when everything was easy. I know if I have everything too easy, I just get fatter and lazier and crazier. (laughs) When things are a bit tough, it does focus the attention a little bit, doesn't it? (laughs) What am I going to do about this situation? And it was very, very tough times in Israel. Not least because, remember, Elijah had called for a a drought, uh, you know, as a judgment of God against... The worship of Baal. Because Baal was the kind of false god that Jezebel uh, had really brought in uh, as a worship of of this Baal. And there was a lot of... uh, It had had made inroads into Israel. So Elijah felt, everybody's bowed to this Baal. Everybody's serving. And Baal was really the god of money. It was prosperity. It was all linked to fertility and stuff like all those old things were. And well, I say old things, but actually it's the exact same thing that's in our world today. Money and sex, isn't it? Power, money, you know, advertising uses sort of s- sexual desire and links. It. It's always been there. And we're just more sophisticated, but it's the same old spirits. And just as it, it crept into Israel, they, even at Bethel, which was sort of <laughs> a central area of northern Israel, or the main, one of the main... Spiritual towns. It should have been the house of God. They had a golden calf. Jeroboam had put that in there so the people didn't scatter because, you know, you need a little money. And it's in the church the same. Do you know that? People worship Baal sort of half-heartedly in the church as well. They actually do. And it's very easy to fall into idolatry. Because it's so there in the world. It's pressurizing us. It's pushing upon us. So I don't know what happened to this poor lady, but obviously they were in debt. They had got into debt. Now, they may have borrowed money from someone to try and get them through the drug period. I don't know. Or maybe they just weren't able to pay their rent or taxes or something. And so they were just, had accumulated debt. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong... With debt, it's just one of those things like that um, Like it's not a sin to be in debt, all right? I've been in churches where, if you're in debt, a big condemnation is coming onto you straight away. <laughs> you ever been in churches like that? <laughs> you know? It's a kind of the flip side also, the prosperity teaching. There's, you know, you have this prosperity teaching, you're really blessed and really godly, you're going to have tons of money, and everything's going to go great for you. But if you're not... You know, so if you're in a church like that and if you're in financial struggles, you hide it, don't you? You really have to hide that because otherwise, oh, I'm not spiritual. So you've got to pretend that you're rich and you've got to pretend that you're doing all the wacky stuff they're doing and whatever. You've got to be super confident and all this stuff. It's a real yoke, isn't it? But guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't put yokes on people, does he? He brings us into freedom. Whoa, the Spirit of God is there's freedom. And so this lady, the trouble with debt, though, is that a day comes, or the evil day, okay? So the husband had died. I mean, imagine they were, perhaps they were managing to pay a little bit. The husband had died. And now the creditor, and this is the way it was in those days. If you were a kid, it was a bit rough being a kid. If your parents went into debt, you got taken into slavery. How How do you kids feel about that? Your mom runs up in big debts on the credit card <laughs> shopping for fancy clothes, and then <laughs> You guys get, s- get <laughs> Taken by the credit card company to be a servant mm. Rough isn't it? Wow Those are hard times, but you know It happens today around the world doesn't it same kind of thing? many many people in poor countries end up obligated and their kids get into even worse slaveries than Mm -hmm. than this. Some of these slaveries weren't so bad. A few pages over, we uh, find a little Israeli girl who was servant to Naaman's wife. Remember that story? And she said, oh, there's a prophet in Israel, and, and that's how Naaman got healed. But she had been just captured by a raiding band. They weren't necessarily so bad, but kids today are taken into slavery as well in various ways. It's, a, it's some very bad, some less bad, but it's all bad, isn't it? Yeah. Really, and it's all the same spirits. You see, when these old stories in the Old Testament, we really aren't just pictures. We are actually talking about the same kind of spiritual powers that are at work. It's just that they're s- a little bit different each age. So people can, if they want to be blind, they can pretend that we don't live in those kind of times, but we do actually live in those kind of times. And I was even thinking this morning, sometimes, you know, we teach our kids, and we may have actually got free from the love of money in our own life, but in a way, we sometimes teach our kids that the main thing in life is to get a university and get a good career and get loads of money. <laughs> you ever find yourself <laughs> telling your kids that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't be like me. <laughs> Go and make lots of money. Get I was having a real hard time uh, chat with my son the other day and uh, I was saying to him, you know, the main thing isn't to die with a big pile of money somewhere. That would be a pretty pathetic life, actually, wouldn't it? That actually would not be a successful life. So we can get into bondage and slavery. People have become slaves, don't they? To debt, to money, to, to acquisition of larger stuff, to have houses and stuff and properties, and what have you. It can be a bad slavery too, can't it? And the Holy Spirit wants us free from it. I think one of the, if anything is central to the whole stories of Elijah and Elisha, is that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage and slavery. To Baal, whether you're rich or poor. And it's beautiful how Elisha moves. You know, the very next story, next verse on from what I read, one day, Elisha went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, and she urged him to eat some food. This guy moved across the spectrum. One day, he's dealing with a widow whose sons are going into slavery. The next day, he's dealing with a wealthy woman. And he moves across it seamlessly, without getting corrupted by it. The next story is Naaman, where he is tempted with 10 talents of silver. That's like a, th- a ton of silver, literally a ton of silver. They had wagon load to bring it, and six, 60 shekels of gold. Lifetime, More than a lifetime of income. Lottery winning kind of proportions. And he moved past that to seamlessly. You have to be able to move freely. The Apostle Paul says that. I've been in plenty and I've been in want. <coughs> Your focus is on the Lord. And we will go through times of want. And it is not a sign of God's judgments on you. It may be a sign of God's judgments on our society, and our society is coming under increasing judgments. Do you know that? We have sophisticated financial mechanisms of debt management to keep the evil day just another day away. But the evil day always comes with with debt. Mm -hmm. Our country is a trillion pounds in debt. The Americans are 14 trillion and rising by some billion every day in debt. And power is shifting from the west, Britain and America, western Europe, which have had their are we have had our hands on the purse strings of the world and we have controlled wealth and we have controlled it in a way for our personal benefit yeah. as a nations. Yeah. We've printed money when we want to. And we can get away with it because we export the inflation to other countries. The the fundamental system is full of robbery and corruption. And we've come under increasing judgment, and we've managed to keep pushing it out here and there, but power is now shifting east, west to east. (coughs) And things are about to change in this world. You, don't, you can listen to the prophets, the speaking, various ones. I'm sure there's wacky ones out there, too. But you can even just listen to s- economists. And things as they are cannot continue much longer. We are heading straight for a brick wall. And it's probably some people saying it's coming this September. And there's all sorts of technical reasons for that. But it may not be quite that quick. But it's coming. And we'll be, perhaps, in times like Elijah and Elisha, and we need to know the lessons. We need to know how to walk with our God yeah. Yeah. in good times and bad without being thrown yes. yeah. off our faith, rocked yeah. in our faith. Yeah. Yeah. We need that, don't we? Yeah. We desperately need that. And so here's some lessons here. I want to just draw a couple of lessons from this, and I'm not going to go on long because, you know, the time and, and everything, but here's some keys. And it's the key is... Like the, the picture here is this lady, she had just this one little jar of oil, and uh, she had a miraculous supply of oil. Now, I love a miraculous supply of stuff, anything almost. That's <laughs> lovely, isn't it? You know, and when Jesus multiplies food, and, and this has happened on, this is, is happening <coughs> on the earth to say that there's multiplication of food in places, and when people are serving, particularly when in hard times, you know, God doesn't do these kind of miracles just to show, to show off. Sometimes uh, money, our money, is our hindrance. If Elijah had been a rich man, or if even any of the prophets had any money, they could have just had a little whip round, and it would have been a kind of a boring miracle. It's a nice miracle, isn't it, if people get together and collect, you know. Pfft, it's all right, but anybody could do that, couldn't they? You don't need God to do that, have a little whip around and get somebody out of trouble, and, you know, a you know, nice thing. People do that. Because I don't think anybody had any money at all. What would you like me to do, Fugilag? I don't have a penny. You know, none of no one else here has a penny. We need a miracle. And so that's a good thing, isn't it? When we're pushed to the limit sometimes. And the only time I've ever seen miracles happen is usually when I'm really short of money. Do you know that? Because money is an alternative power, isn't it, that we normally rely on. I'm not even saying it's all altogether wrong. That's the way the world works, and uh, we're here. But when you're really up against it and you need a miracle, that is a time to rejoice, folks. I think (laughs) we're all going to get opportunities for this in the future. Okay? (laughs) What a happy word that is, eh, guys? (laughs) Yeah, it's all right, though. My my friend Ray Martell. Some of you know old Ray Martell, the Indian guy. Native Indian, uh, American, uh, Canadian Indian, and uh, Cree. And he got saved through the Salvation Army in Saskatoon, my hometown, our home city. And uh, he was an alcoholic and a really down-and-out guy, and he got saved through the Salvation Army, which in that place is a bit non-Holy Spirit, though. So when he one day began speaking in tongues, in his kind of start right group, they chucked him out of the church and said, "We're you? this is of the devil, we don't want you. So he <laughs> went off and began his own ministry. And he travels the world to this day and has all sorts of stuff. And we'll probably see him. I've, I said to him, I talked to him on the phone. He phoned me up just a couple of days ago and said, you know, uh, are you coming? I've just been in Brazil. And I said, no, but next time you come to London, please drop in on us. But he, uh, he says when his fuel tank is on E on his car, and obviously this isn't every day because it's only when he doesn't have any money, <laughs> which is quite often, I think says, that E, that means everlasting. <coughs> <coughs> one time he drove from North Dakota back home to Saskatoon with his fuel tank on E, which is 360 miles or something like that. God can still make oil. God can still supernaturally make oil. And uh, some of us are going to need it. I've really tried to break into this one. Tell you, I I really tried. I've tried a few times to break into this one. I don't know if I have, I've gotten close maybe, but oh well, in the future. What are some keys? Go in, verse 4, go in and shut the door on yourself and your sons. Go into the secret place, Elisha said to her. Go into the secret place. Didn't Jesus say the same? When you pray, go into your room, shut the door behind you. We need to cultivate a secret place with God. What do you do in your secret place? What goes on in your secret place? If the kids are all out and everybody's out and you're alone in the house by yourself, and you shut the door, what do you do? Do you have a secret place with God? A secret, got deals going? Got conversation going with God? I'm not talking about something super spiritual here. I'm just saying, where does your heart go? Or do you just entertain yourself? or just? And, and, and sometimes that's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But we do need, we all need. The real crunch comes. Do we have a secret place where we have deals going with God, and we have conversation with God, and we're talking about this and that, and maybe it's got problems, maybe it's everything. But that secret place with God is the absolute key to a spiritual life. And It's very, very simple be sure to just take time just to have some stuff, some stuff with God in a secret place, in a closed door. And is that, in that place where the miracle began to happen, isn't it? It's that place. And some of us, I guess, we need some cleansing in our secret place. Because when we have a secret place, w- our heart turns towards sin or towards the enemy in some way. Maybe we need some cleansing. You know, God, you know, Jesus is a judge. People like to say really dumb stuff. Like, oh, Jesus is so loving, he doesn't judge. Where did they ever get that from? (laughs) He does judge By, by his light. The very light of his own righteousness judges us. And we need to let that light come into our heart. And maybe we have a lot of secret things in our hearts that aren't righteous. Now Jesus does judge, <coughs> he doesn't condemn though, does he? He comes to cleanse and to give us his Holy Spirit. Just like this lady found. She she went and perhaps, you know, they didn't know this. This has been a secret. This couple, they've been in the church, they had this kids, everything was okay as long as the man was alive, and then suddenly their secret is exposed. But there isn't condemnation, is there? There's the release of oil. There's the release of the spirit. Go into the secret place. Let, let some oil come in there. Let some light of Jesus shine in. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to come to him. When you know Adam and Eve ran away when they got in trouble. And God was actually out looking for them. When we're in trouble, when we feel guilty, we do want to turn away from God. But actually, that's the very moment to turn to God, isn't it? The very moment to turn to God. In the midst of our sin, even when we're just, our mind's in the gutter or whatever, that's the very moment we can turn to God, right then and there. There's nowhere else you probably can turn (laughs) at all that'll do anything but condemn you. Because this world goes on about judging, judging, judging all the time, and yet it is utterly full of condemnation and judgment, isn't it? Isn't this world full of condemnation and judgment? In fact, the first thing you're going to be condemned and judged on is that, oh, you're judgmental. If you say anything (laughs) is right or wrong, you're utterly condemned as being judgmental. Who's actually doing the judging? You know, if a man is out on the road going toward Greenwich, but he actually thinks he's going to Earth, and I say to him, uh, by the way, that road goes to Greenwich that way, and that way goes to Earth. Oh, stop judging me! Stop judging me! (laughs) What? (laughs) That's what it is, isn't it? This road actually goes to destruction and death. This one goes to life. Oh, stop judging me! What? That's shining light. That's just shining light. Yeah. That shine some light and say, people are lost. Yeah. Judging is when you condemn someone and lock them in. And you don't tell them the right way. And righteousness, I was thinking of this. You know, righteousness is a direction. You've heard it said location, location, location. But righteousness is not about location, location, location. Righteousness mm-hmm. is about direction, direction, direction. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be sitting in a, a witch's coven, looking out the door out toward God, and you're more righteous than the person sitting in the church looking towards mm-hmm. satisfaction of lusts and covetousness and whatever. Yeah. It's direction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. moving in the direction of God? Are you moving in the right direction? Because you are going to arrive at the place you're heading to. And it is not judgmental to say to people, look, don't go that way. Go this way. This way goes to death. This way goes to life. That's just good neighborliness, isn't it? That's actually love. That's actually shining light. But if somebody then chooses and says, I don't like that, what you're saying. I want to walk this way, but still arrive at Ereth. You know, what do you say to them? What are you going to say in the end of the day? And that's God's dilemma. He's, he's tearing his hair out all the time, trying, how am I going to do this? And sometimes you've got to just, you know, there has to be some judgment in the, and there has to be some dealing with things. But anyway, we'll, we won't go more into that. So I want to um, concentrate for us here because I believe we are letting uh, God into our secret place. We are taking, see, this lady could have run away, but she turned to Elisha, didn't she? She said, look, the secret's out. Well, I'm in trouble. And they met with utter grace, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the release of oil. Now, oil was a lovely thing. I mean, they sold it here to also to pay the debt, but she had the rest to live on. But the reason oil was so precious is because it was used for lamp oil, so it was light. It was used for healing, so for wounds and cleansing. It was obviously used for cooking, making bread and cakes and whatever. And... Um, and so it was, uh, it, was, it was a precious and good thing. And all of those are symbols of the Holy Spirit. He brings all those things. Comfort, healing, financial provision, even, yeah? Even provision, breaking of the bondage of debt. He brings it all. And I want us to, I did have, I brought some oil here. And I want, anyone, does any of the kids want to help me? I want us just to do a little symbolic thing here. I'm going to uh, pour out some oil into a few vessels, a bit of olive oil. Does any kids want to give me a little hand, or are you kind of tuned out now? I just want you to come. Yeah, come. I just want you to take, I'll just pour out some oil. I just want you to take some oil around. If anybody wants to, I'll put a bit in each cup for that every child comes. And if you want just, to, you need something, what I've been talking you need some forgiveness, you need some healing, you need some financial help, I just want you to put your finger in and just take a bit of this oil of receiving the Holy Spirit. You guys all right with that? do that. Take it around, just let people hold up their hand. We'll just pour a little bit of... Mm, that's going to take the lid off at 1st i We'll just pour a little bit in. Now, obviously, with this lady, she had one little bottle like this, and she filled a whole bunch of big jars. Now, that's the, the great thing. But with us, the Holy Spirit is going to just take and... Multiply this oil in your life. Amen. Okay, so just if, just go around and let people dip their finger into the oil and just take a little bit of oil. If anybody wants to, just go around anywhere they want. Does anybody else want to do take some oil? Yeah, you could toss it around. Along, along yeah? Hey, little buddy, you want to take a little bit of oil around? Give to people? Pass it around? There's no limit to the amount of Holy Spirit resource that God has. He gives His Spirit without limit, without measure. And just receive from Him that oil for whatever it is you need. Whatever it is you need. And be free in the Holy Spirit. Be free. Do you want to take some? There you go. You can take more than once if you feel like it. spirit break every yoke of bondage every yoke of bondage where we're slaves to bail Lord, deliver us from bondage and slavery and worry and anxiety fear of the future lord our confidence is in you our trust is in you holy spirit we know that you will look after your children hallelujah thank you jesus thank you lord jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, I I asked for this song, uh, just to welcome the Holy Spirit. We, We need to really welcome the Holy Spirit. Just welcome the Holy Spirit. And this is a song that would be good, and we'll finish with that. i tasted and seen of the sweetest of lies, where my heart becomes free, and my shame is over. that I'll speak more. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week. And God bless.